welcome to another episode of Writer and Geek Show. We are your hosts Shankar and Vishnu, and today we are continuing the discussion on colonialism in India. And I think we are uh, entering the Japanese space today. I think okay, yeah. You have no idea what's happening with the podcast. Well, isn't that how we do it? You decide the topic, yeah. and I just lazily sit yeah, here and drink so coffee. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about Japanese, but. Uh, Unlike other episodes, we're going to take the Dutch episode route where we talked about the Dutch Empire a lot, and then we got into what they did in India, right? Because uh, there are a lot of things which is which are not covered when we talk about the Japanese, mm-hmm. like Pearl Harbor, right? Pearl, no, we're gonna we're not going to touch that area, but uh, we're going to talk about how merciless they used to be. Mm-hmm. When we think about Japan right now, all that comes to our mind is like the the. technology giants um, who are like pretty passive if you look at it right right I, i get a feeling that there are a bunch of people who mind their own business who are extremely smart right uh, if you look at the recovery that happened from post world war era they are one of the countries that like germany who have made the biggest advance in you know technology and everything infrastructure and economy and all that yeah yeah stuff. that's exactly what comes to our mind we don't really know like what the past was when it comes to the japanese because uh, they have this history of being truly merciless and they also have the history of destroying all the reports and evidence of whatever they have done so yeah hmm. i think uh, you know some some other country comes into my mind right now which one oh, let's not <laughs> name any names <laughs> so the japanese empire they got to know that they do really have the strength to probably go ahead and conquer the world when they first defeated russians back in um, 1904 1905 during the russia japanese war such a small country defeated the largest country in the world and mm. it was like a shock to everyone but you cannot attribute it totally to like the japanese bec- uh, saying that you know they were like far superior compared to russia but it was actually the russians who were the cause for uh, their own undoing because uh, they didn't have a proper military they were not able to handle you know administer the whole country having a vast country does not mean that you can actually take care of it properly right <laughs> if you don't have yeah, the yeah. proper <laughs> administration and people who can lead it and if you don't have the proper resources to like go ahead with it it results in something like the japanese russian war of 1904 1905 and once uh, the japanese defeated russians they got to know that oh yeah we do have something in our hands probably we can go ahead conquer more places and you know uh, become a fierce empire and i think even before we come to modern era even in the medieval times japanese were known to be warriors right like samurais and shoguns they ruled the country and uh, they were the military that managed the entire country of japan and samurais i'm sure that most of us know they were absolutely pure warriors uh, who never accepted defeat right warriors or warriors <laughs> <laughs> warriors are from kerala <laughs> i always used to wonder because the spelling in some of their names are it's it's exactly same as warrior so i used to think were these people warriors in the early uh, you know medieval time and they became warrior now <laughs> you know they are some of the softest people i have ever seen i don't think they can kill people. i think the most of them spend most of their time in temples and stuff yeah. these days right exactly i mean so yeah Once uh, the Japanese defeated Russians, they were like, "Okay, we are on a mission to uh, build an empire which can last for like hundreds of years." But Japan, being a small country, they had limited resources, and that prompted them to start conquering other parts of the world, starting with, you know, who China. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm sure this show is going to get a lot of downloads. <laughs> so the Japanese began conquering China in the 1930s. Uh, to be exact, they uh, started conquering Manchuria in uh, September 18, 1931. That is where they first came up with Gobi Manchurian, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is exactly what people in people think here back in India. Uh, if you don't know, Gobi Manchurian is not a Chinese dish at all. It's it's a Chinese dish, but it's an Indian Chinese dish. You should add an Indian before, you know, just the Chinese thing. <laughs> yeah. The flavor... Is that being banned now? What? Will Gobi Manchurian be banned in India? Should be, right? They should ban it too. It's uh, it's Chinese food. <laughs> we don't want anything with, to do with China. So Manchurian also should but be banned. But they're going to ban PUBG and all, I heard. Mm. OnePlus also maybe. Yeah. Oh man, that'll be one heck of a <laughs> You should throw your phone yeah, away. Yeah, I should throw my phone away. Anyway, so Chinese, they began uh, invading Manchuria in on 18th of September 1931 under the pretext that the Chinese actually blew up one of their railway tracks. So in what, Japan? In, in China. The Japanese were already occupying some parts of uh, China, but uh, to start conquering, they needed a reason. So they did... Uh, they, they conspired and uh, it resulted in an incident called the Mukden incident. It's uh, M-U-K-D-E-N, Mukden, yeah. Mukden incident where uh, some of the Japanese, uh, they blew up one of the railway tracks and said that it resulted in a great, uh, you know, loss of uh, supply and stuff. So uh, they made up th- this reason and started conquering uh, Manchuria. And while waiting for the conquest, they made Gobi Manchurian, I think. Okay. See, I... <laughs> Soya sauce. <laughs> Look at this. Gobi is a desert in China, right? Hmm. Cold desert. Manchuria is a place in China. Now put both of them together, it becomes Gobi Manchurian. So what do you call cauliflower in Hindi? Uh, Full Gobi. It's Gobi, right? Yeah. You don't find any connections there. <laughs> Maybe Full Gobi came from Gobi Desert. Mukden incident resulted in Chinese conquering Manchuria and they set up a puppet state called Manchukuo. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of this. Yeah, that's why I'm Was this there in history in, in our history? Because I, I remember this Chinese uh, occupation by many countries, but I don't remember this incident. To me. Yeah, this is... We are bringing out that knowledge which people don't have, you know. That's what we are doing here at Writer and Geek. So, for, for so the first time we are doing and something. and listen properly. <laughs> yes. So, this deception, um, all the countries in the world, they were against whatever is happening and they set up a council to investigate into it. And it they came up with the Lytton report, which stated that this was all just a deception for Chinese to just conquer uh, Manchuria. Chinese and, or Japanese? Ah, oh, damn. Japanese. Japanese. <laughs> and it led to the Japanese being uh, diplomatically isolated from the rest of the world. And eventually, they had to withdraw from the League of Nations, as if it, League of Nations was a big deal. <laughs> that is the, that is what UN was before the World War, yeah. right? Hmm. Yeah. They couldn't do much. And because of that... Uh, I don't think they ever did much. World War Two. yeah. You look at it, after League of Nations was formed, there were two world wars, to be yeah. honest. Two? No, no, one. Oh, it was formed after, after the first one. world war. It was like a brainchild of Woodrow Wilson and all yeah, the correct, leaders yeah. who were there back I then. think we had a whole chapter dedicated to this in History 10 Standard. No, I didn't have it. I, I had it, yeah. yeah, World War One and Two. By, by the time um, my time came to study in 10th grade, they had changed the textbooks. Mm-hmm. Even Hitler's thing was like very less. I was so sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't want to instill those... No, 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 I just wanted to know more about 
how someone can be such a bastard <laughs> anyways then um, in china um, they did a lot of atrocities they killed people pillaged villages raped women and just went ahead with a lot of things which we can't even explain for example uh, there was this incident called nanjing massacre mm, i've heard of this yeah it was an episode of mass murder and rape uh, by the imperial army of japan and uh, nanjing was the capital of china back then mm. and this happened during the second sino japanese war it happened over a period of 6 weeks starting from uh, december 13 1937 and uh, we don't actually have an official account of how many people died because the japanese they, before they surrendered after uh, the bombing of hiroshima and nagasaki they destroyed all the reports mm. so the estimation ranges anywhere from 40000 people to 300000 people wow <laughs> that is little bit too much rough estimation mm. to be honest you know this brings to mind something when i was in school we had one lesson in english mm. where um, i don't remember the name of the lesson the, this is what the scene was there is a japanese um, airman or um, air force guy who crashes his plane in somewhere in china and there are a bunch of people who come and rescue him and they prevent the villagers from seeing him because they would kill him for sure because and that was the first time i actually got an insight about how badly japanese have treated chinese uh, people during those times um and they say that specifically because this particular man has been educated in the west he felt pity for this this japanese guy and he prevents all the villagers from seeing him i don't remember how it ended though see i remember um, it was like how this guy had to fight with his inner conflicts like there mm. was a lot of dilemma when it came to like protecting this person because the whole country is against uh, you know letting this guy live even his wife was a little bit apprehensive of having this japanese guy at home so finally uh, one evening he he just you know gave him some supplies and his boat hmm. once he was like all right this hmm. guy was like almost immobilized because of his injuries hmm. he nursed him back he is also a doctor this chinese guy is also a doctor so he nursed the japanese guy back and once he was fine he gave him his boat and also some supplies and mm. let him go during the night That's i don't know if I that was a real story or real i don't think it's a real story but i i vividly remember reading that because more than a conflict between the two countries what impressed me is like the conflict of human mind when yeah. minds when i think it, it is more like, about that it's yeah. there is very less about the differences between china and japan and that it, it's more about his mind and how he manages his decisions and choices and stuff yeah like yeah it talks about the country's differences only when they talk about how he went to us to like do his uh, doctorate and stuff so yeah that's it so that that yeah i still remember the story mm. i if anyone knows which story it is please let us know i've been trying to like find out which one it is i don't remember I the name yeah. of that entire chapter. yeah so yeah around 40000 to 300000 people were uh, killed looted or raped during the nanjing massacre but uh, the japanese they um, erased all the accounts so there was a huge controversy surrounding this issue including you know outright denial by the japanese saying that this thing never happened and it was a brainchild of chinese just exaggerating things but later on years after the war uh, many chinese veteran have come forward and said that yeah this thing happened and we remember it's proven that it actually happened but uh, still there are people who deny it in japan then came the conquering of 
Burma. This was uh, compared to China a lot more peaceful. But yeah, of course, it did have its own uh, issues. They conquered Burma, which was actually previously a British territory in 1941, December of 1941. They were there till the end of the war. Mm. That is where they got the idea. Okay, now we are here. Next thing, what we have to do is conquer India. Right. So before uh, getting into with mainland, with some help, I think. Yeah, right. with some help, we'll come to that. Uh, before getting into mainland, they were like, okay, we'll conquer some of the islands. Mm-hmm. So this is one thing I've never heard about before, mm-hmm. and I think many of the people don't even know about this thing happening. Mm-hmm. The Japanese conquered Andaman and Nicobar Islands. Do you know that? No idea. We about talked that. about how the Danish were there, the yeah. British were there, the Portuguese or like French were there, but we never talked about. When Japanese were there, right? It's I, completely foreign to me. Okay, before right today, I have never heard that heard of the fact that Japanese have ever conquered Andaman. So they conquered the entire island, or how was it? Uh, there are like almost two and two thousand islands or something, yes. right? No, everything. So that means there. Britishers lost uh, these islands to Japan at one point of time. Yeah, from nineteen forty two to nineteen forty five till the end of the war. That is unbelievable. Like even. I mean, there is this movie called Kalapani, right? I, I think it happens much before this World War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah, yeah. that's it, why it happens much mm-hmm. before. So, um, the conquest of Andaman and Nicobar uh, by the Japanese started in 1942, and we don't know much about this because mm-hmm. there is an obvious reason because they destroyed all the accounts. So, whatever we know are from some unpublished reports uh, mm-hmm. from this local resident called Ramakrishna. He wrote this uh, book called The Andaman Islands Under Japanese Occupation 1942 to 1945. Right. Then there was this British officer who was sent as a spy to Andaman during Japan occupation and uh, his name was uh, officer D McCarthy. He wrote the book called The Andaman Interlude. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that had some accounts and whatever we know the rest of the things that we know are from memoirs of older inhabitants wow who were living there during this occupation and this was never mentioned in any of the history books also no. because i have learned i still remember from 6th standard to 10th standard we learned history and that history had everything uh, from abolishing sati to independence and everything i don't remember ever being uh, you know ever studying that japanese had at any point of time occupying you know had occupied andaman and nicobar it had everything about the mauryan empire but it didn't have something yes. that happened 70 years back and this right? is a significant thing right mm. because andaman nicobar is a very strategic uh, point for india it is like that is what controls the entire bay of bengal and uh, northern indian ocean as well so getting control of andaman is a big big deal i i'm still surprised why nobody talked about it so that means uh, if you want to get good sushi you should go to andaman i think you'll get sushi made of human flesh <laughs> we have made did an episode on them also right sentinelis no 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 we haven't done an episode on them ah. i think they're the only one who's protected against covid right now See, because I think sentinelies are declared as a, what do you call it? They are the least... Uh, progressed? Least progressed of all human species in the world, I think. And I think if someone outsider goes there, I think they practice cannibalism also. So... Even during that time, the Japanese never hmm. went there. I mean, how would you go? Yeah. Right? There is no way you can go. I remember there was it, it was a news that one guy went there and tried to convert him, them into Christianity or something and they he died. Him. <laughs> yeah. You should so, know your audience. Right? I know, right? <laughs> so what? the Japanese, uh, once they occupied 
Andaman. On the fourth day, they they have killed their first victim. Oh, they took them four days. It took them four days. I'm surprised, but the thing is, uh, yeah, how it happened is like there was this young man called uh, Zulfikar Ali. Mm-hmm. He name seems very familiar. Yeah, even I was thinking it sounded like some leader we had mm. during those days. So Zulfikar Ali was pissed off because the Japanese soldiers were running around his field chasing mm-hmm. chickens. Well, he was a he was a resident of Andaman. yeah, resident okay. of Andaman. Not he he cannot be a Japanese. Come on. No, no, not <laughs> Japanese. I what I was thinking is he might have been an officer or something because I think Andaman was mostly uh, British. There was this prison, of course. and mostly british officers and people yeah, yeah that would have been a live, right? thing but no uh, so zulfikar ali what he did was when these guys started chasing chickens in his field he mm. took his uh, took his air gun and shot in the air in the air mm. it didn't kill anyone but these japanese retaliated and he had to go into hiding but the next day they caught him once they captured him his arms were twisted till they broke and then he was fired at they could have just then just <laughs> these guys were like really cruel these guys be. were like really yeah. cl- cruel yeah. and uh, the locals they joined forces and uh, started this organization called indian independence league and it was founded by rash bihari bose mm-hmm. but there was nothing they could do to be honest when indian have, independence against japanese yeah in andaman nicobar Yeah, yeah, should be named more like Andaman Independence. Yeah, and one of its member, Doctor Devan Singh, he started a a peace committee there in Andaman, trying to like negotiate with the Japanese. But as we know, nothing happened uh, through it. And these so, what were the Britishers doing at this time? They didn't. They were care. not there. They were not there. They were thrown out of oh, Andaman. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how conquering happens, right? No, I understand Ooh. that, but I was thinking that uh, at least. Britishers would have had some kind of resistance or something against them. They were busy fighting the because, war because India is considered to. Be, I mean, Andaman is a part of India, and yeah. India was a colony for British, right? So it's as good as uh, Japanese invading. In, uh, yeah, but they were neck deep into the war, right? Yeah, World I War Two. They, they had to save. Yeah. So what happened Britain. was like they had to send a spy in mm-hmm. 1944 to infiltrate into Andaman and figure out what's happening. It was that bad. So all the members of this uh, Indian League. Indian Independence League were all you know killed systematically during the Japanese occupation of Andaman and uh, an airport was built through forced labor so these people they were uh, rounded up and they were made to do manual labor through Japanese force the prices of everything skyrocketed over there because there were a lot of japanese they had the in, uh, inhabitants of Andaman and there was not enough supply of mm-hmm. for things due to the scarcity of food in 1945 around 250 to like 700 uh, inhabitants of the islands were forced to move to an uninhabited unhin- island another one so that they can produce food mm. but uh, the conditions were pretty bad there and many of them were like killed by sharks while traveling to the other wow. island and once uh, a rescue mission was sent by the british after getting andaman back they found that there were only 12 survivors mm-hmm. and there were like hundreds of skeletons spread across all the island Ooh. yeah under the japanese they handed over andaman and nicobar uh, to the indian national army <laughs> in 29 december of 1943 and subhash chandra bose was invited to the place mm-hmm. to visit port blair and he raised the ina tricolor 
proclaiming that it's azad hind okay but i think he would have had some agreement with japanese by then right? yeah yeah so w- what he was planning to do is like conquer india with help the help of, of japanese, japanese right mm-hmm. and provide us independence that way which mm-hmm. i find I, to be pretty i don't uh, know i don't i, have, I don't pretty. really feel right about that, <laughs> that yeah. i understand that you know his ultimate intention was good but i always shudder to think had the axis powers uh, won the war like germany and japan if they were the ones who won world war right i really am not sure about how life in india would be i think we would be drinking this coffee like right why now. would why would see if japan had an idea about conquering the entire world right why would they give up india to someone else yeah they they won't they won't so which with natural resources and stuff like that So obviously when Subhash Chandra Bose visited Port Blair he was shielded from all his moves were screened so that he won't come in contact with any of the resident there and they would tell him what exactly is happening mm-hmm. so he actually didn't have much idea about what's happening but that's sad he he's a leader he should have known you know what's happening yeah, but uh, but the thing is that he was mostly by himself right he didn't have any support from yeah. any other leaders in india basically that's he was kind of an outcast yeah and mostly because of uh, you know his agreements with all these uh, yeah axis powers and stuff like that see uh, i i don't think we can judge any of them for their decisions because each of them had the ultimate uh, goal of getting independence for india right and um, this person this him he alone cannot have he alone could not have even imagined what is actually going on there yeah so. then coming back to the japanese uh, they also there, there was this another massacre which happened which was called homefrey ganj massacre which happened in 30th of january 1944 is that a place uh, i think so homefrey ganj i i think so yeah i'm sounds not really like sure the, i'm sound, not really sure <laughs> sounds <laughs> where, like darya ganj in delhi yeah very good <laughs> so yeah where uh, 44 civilians from the island were killed on the accusation that they were spies just like that they felt that these guys are spies they rounded them up mm, kill, they were pissed them. them off in some way yeah so during the japanese occupation of andaman and nicobar around 2000 people were killed and over 500 were tortured and there was also one other incident where uh, these japanese they, they had this habit of uh, sending comfort women mm. with the army wherever they go so comfort women are women they were just exploited you know, for yeah exploited for their sexual stuff, pleasures yeah. so most of them like uh, 80% of these con- comfort women were sourced from south korea rest from philippines mm-hmm. then uh, china and even some dutch women were there so how they sourced them is that they on, under the pretext of giving them a job or something they lure them or kidnap them and then take them to the army camps and they they they, they were like raped like yeah this is going to get a little gruesome so i'm just uh, yeah i think letting you know so these women from their accounts uh, it said that uh, they were raped for like 35 to 40 times a day and they were also beaten up by around like 25 to 30 people on a daily basis mm. for like years yeah the japanese over the years they have been apologizing to south korea for whatever happened mm-hmm. when it comes to the comfort women but the major issue that the koreans and japanese have is because of this mm. this is where the where you start questioning the morality and stuff right for something that happened in a previous generation the current generation has to apologize i think 
this is something that personally also people have to go through like someone doing something wrong and their kids end up suffering for their uh, you know things and this is something like that i don't know you know if there would ever be a a uh, solution for that you cannot compensate these things yes. properly right you know money cannot substitute whatever that women exactly. those women went through right this is the same thing like if you remember shashi tharoor's uh, speech in oxford right he also spoke about the same thing like britain for all that they have done i mean paying money is not the thing right but maybe feeling a little apologetic and all that kind of stuff and i think that that was a different world altogether there is no point going back and thinking that okay this is what they did to us in that case we should still be pissed off with germany japan and other countries but yeah. these people who are living now are not responsible for anything that happened before yeah yeah as long as they say that yeah these things happen and acknowledge it i think <clears throat> nothing much we can do so these comfort women because of the fear of uh, getting stds they were given like the army was given like tons of condoms and all that contraceptives and they were like the women were forced to have uh, contraceptive medicines and once the war got to its final stage the army didn't have much resources so they used to reuse condoms it seems mm. they used to wash it and reuse it it was that dire situation and most of these women around like some 70% of them became infertile of because of these experiences yeah. so yeah so that's what happened uh, to the comfort women and uh, yeah jumping from andaman to what happened next so another idea that the japanese had was to conquer india through northeast and then slowly uh, get to the capital city of delhi and it resulted in the battle of imphal and koima so the battleground was spread across present day manipur and nagaland and uh, the japanese they thought that they could finish the job in like 3 weeks and they didn't pack much of supplies and left their artilleries back uh, in burma and thought that uh, there won't be much resistance from the british but uh, they suffered huge loss and uh, the war went on for months mm-hmm. ina was also a part of this ina was also part of fighting this. from the japanese side yeah yeah mm-hmm. fighting from the japanese side and but but the thing was like the britishers they were expecting this and they had actually trained a lot of natives mm-hmm. from northeast to like fight with the british and there are like accounts if you check out on youtube they, you can see like some videos where the veterans who had fought for the british saying that that we were handed a gun and we were like you know what you shoot or get killed mm. it was that kind of a situation it seems so have you ever heard about this battle before i think this was there uh, you know what i have watched this in the movie indian do you remember uh-huh. the movie yeah. in which kamalas and the father kamalas and character right he actually is a part of ina and they go for war somewhere in the northeast i i i have a vague recollection but i don't really remember what the storyline entirely was but we was. are we have never been educated about it yeah like, maybe yeah. just mentioned in the yeah, passing but i don't think there was any deep discussion over this yeah in, well in guess what the uk national army museum voted the war of imphal and koima as britain's greatest battle so it was that big a battle you know that even bigger than the battle of uh, yeah. what is that luftwaffe they yeah. battle of britain even yeah. bigger than battle of yeah. britain are you serious because see if they had lost india right think about britain lo- losing india during the war they did after the war but <laughs> no during the war they <laughs> yeah, wouldn't have any really resources bad. right so fighting back against the japanese in imphal and koima was it it's still considered to be one of the greatest wins so 
the battle of imphal uh, the japanese really underestimated the british and uh, the air force of britain as we know was very powerful and uh, you can attribute the defeat of japanese during this war to their uh, arrogance mm. through the accounts of one of the veterans uh, named hirokuni saito mm-hmm. he said that the lieutenant gen- general uh, who was uh, leading the army in imphal renya mutaguchi when asked like how can we win this war his answer was that it would require the sacrifice of 5000 soldiers mm, japanese soldiers yeah who talks in that kind of you know right. way like you talk about you know we'll have to kill these many enemies but this mm. guy is like you know if we can sacrifice 5000 soldiers from our side mm. we'll win it but it ended up being a long drawn battle where uh, the army played a big role and because the japanese they didn't take their artilleries and anti uh, aircraft guns with them they were not able to supply things from their side to uh, imphal and koima and around 30000 soldiers died from the japanese side during the course of the war but most of them died while retreating imagine the japanese retreating they never retreat from anything right like they either go there win or they kill themselves so the commander finally had to like say that okay we going to retreat because there is no way we going to win this forget infa- forget delhi we'll never reach delhi we won't even conquer northeast so while retreating what happened was that the weather was very harsh it was cold the it was a monsoon season raining, yeah. and it was raining throughout then they didn't have enough supplies so starvation hit then you know we have some we had some interesting diseases like malaria which hit most of the soldiers that's that's yeah. even worse than the indian rvi i, I know i know so <laughs> it reached such a point where the soldiers had to like eat the flesh of the dead ones Oof. they even had they used to like kill each other mm. so that they could survive that was a life for india i think malaria and all those things yeah and they they used to like exchange the flesh for goods it seems Oof. because it got to that point but can you imagine like you know killing someone who fought with you to together with you see this is something that sitting at where we are sitting right now we cannot answer no 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 i understand Uh, eating the flesh of a person who's mm. died right imagine killing someone who was with you and then eating them okay fine if I, if they died and you ate them that is still i might understandable see i can say that i might never do it right i would rather prefer dying myself than killing someone else but you never know right i mean yeah. what if you are put into a situation where you you know that death is imminent and you never know what fear of death can make you do so Yeah, I don't think we can ever uh, get into their shoes and think about how they thought about it. And more people died during the retreat mm-hmm. than the actual war. So it was a devastating war for the Japanese and they never recovered. Mm-hmm. Thanks to the monsoon and the uh, soldiers who were stationed there, India never uh, came under Japanese. So that's it about Japanese occupation of India. You got anything to add on to this? Nothing, but I was really surprised because um, in my mind, Japanese occupation of India was restricted to uh, that northeast side for some amount of time. I was never really aware of that Andaman Nicobar being under Japanese rule. That is the biggest surprise for me. Yeah, same here. I I got to know about it when I was researching. And um, like before, um, you know, putting in the research for this, I didn't know like how... Can I use the word cruel? Gruesome, yeah. Cruel. Gruesome. The Japanese were when it came to warfare. 
they might be vanilla right now but they <laughs> used to be the shiz back then <laughs> not in a good way yeah